Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's 9.30 in 716. Some high-tech worries. Basically, you plug in your phone to charge on a USB charger anywhere in an airport, any public space. Uh, before you know it, the bad guy's got access to your data. They've downloaded everything that's in your phone. Today, because these cables and these ports allow both powering and data transferring, um, you know, if that kiosk has been compromised or if that kiosk is on a Wi-Fi for that airport or that hospital or that uh, restaurant, you obviously uh, expose yourself to tremendous risk. It's garbage in, garbage out. That would lead to a reduction in the accuracy of weather forecasts. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716. A couple of high-tech traps to speak of today. You're at the airport, your plane boards in about an hour, and your cell phone is on one bar of power. So you seek out that public power station and plug into the USB tower and juice up before you take off. It's a new story, but it's an old hack. I mean, it's called uh, juice hacking, right? Not so fast, says Arun Vishwanath, a cybersecurity expert at the University of Buffalo. Those USB power charging stations may have been modified by cyber criminals who install malware on your device without of course, your knowledge. You have the bad guys out there who figured out ways to do things, to take data from you, right? To take data, to get access to your phones, to get access to your devices. Um, and, um, you know, juice hacking is a very easy way to do it. Basically, you plug in your phone to charge on a USB charger anywhere in an airport, uh, even in a library perhaps, uh, any public space. Uh, before you know it, the bad guy's got access to your data. They've downloaded everything that's in your phone, right? Hey, you know, when, when it comes to cybersecurity, you know, we say this, I say this a lot. Uh, common sense is firstly not that common, and all the things that should be commonly done are very dangerous. Uh, take something like connecting to a Wi-Fi network, right? People do it all the time. It's a very common practice. Many of our phones automatically connect to Wi-Fi network. You go to Starbucks, you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you go to any of these, you go to the airport, Buffalo Airport even, um, you know, these things that we all do, we don't even think about it. But the bad guys are thinking about it. And these are common things that people do, but you don't know if the network you're connecting to is the real network. It's very easy to, what we call in the business, spoofing a network, creating a fake network that looks like Starbucks's Wi-Fi connection. And it doesn't require a lot of sophistication to do it. You and I can sit at home and basically create it. It's very easy to do these things. But once you do it, anything that you transact on that network, so anything that you do online, I, I have access to that. Go to your bank. I have access to that data. Some of it is encrypted today. So, you know, we can't have access to everything. But, you know, if you really want to do it, the good guys, the good hackers rather out there, the bad guys, the good bad guys, if there's anything like that, um, these guys will do it. And it's very, very easy. It's very common practice. Are any of these big companies or even the small companies locally, are they doing anything to try to combat this? Is there anything they can do? Uh, the answer... Th the answer to that is somewhere in between, right? There are companies that are trying to do things, uh, but in trying to make things easier for consumers, uh, most of them end up you know, hurting us more than they don't. So let me give you an example, right? So um, you know that a lot of us now use USB-C devices. You know, the new USB is the USB-C port. The C port is the bi-directional uh, 
cord that we're starting to use. So the new uh, Apple iPad has it, for instance. Uh, now, these kind of charging ports are going to become the norm. Laptops, most of Apple's new MacBooks, for instance, they charge on it and as well as connect and have data coming in and out of it. So it's a charging port that can be used for both. So this is the future. The European Union, for instance, has mandated all of their devices to have that same port. So you can charge and have data access happening both ways. Imagine what that does. So now, not only are you charging your phone, you're also charging your laptop on a USB charger, and the bad guys have access to everything in it. So in trying to make things easier, things become harder, right? I mean, it becomes easier for the bad guys. Um, it becomes more dangerous for all of us. Uh, everybody wants the simplicity of a simple cord that you can use for everything. But the problem with that is it's going to be more problems than not. The dangerous part of today's uh, hacking is that the people doing it don't require a lot of sophistication. This is not very sophisticated. And uh, most of what you need to do in software terms, you can download online. So you can basically download malware software out there. You can buy them for rent or hire them. And basically, you can use that to, connect, to create an attack. All you need to do at the front end of it is create a USB hub or create a Wi-Fi network. Anybody can create a Wi-Fi network. Uh, then whatever's on that network is yours. Another cyber expert has a similar message, warning of the perils of plugging in and connecting via Wi-Fi even in those public spots. It's become uh, more of a risk um, just really because of the ability to um, not only charge through one port on these devices, but also pass data through that same port and over that same cable. Michael McCartney is president of Avalon Cyber and spent time in studio with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski on WBEN. Um, so before, it used to be pretty innocuous just to plug in to just get power. Um, but today, because these cables and these ports allow both powering and data transferring, um, you know, if that kiosk has been compromised or if that kiosk is on a Wi-Fi for that airport or that hospital or that uh, restaurant um, and there's an adversary that's sniffing traffic across that, that network, you obviously uh, expose yourself to tremendous risk. So just about any time you plug your phone into anything that's not a wall, you're opening all your phone's data up to whatever that device is. You could be potentially, yes. And in a, in a public environment, you're obviously exposing that risk you know, more. Uh, whereas if you're on a trusted network within your corporate environment or, or some other uh, more corporate-related secure environment, you know, any kind of public um, Wi-Fi or charging station or kiosk, obviously you run the risk of having uh, bad things happening on that on that connection. And these exist in like many forms. So we're, we're talking about these charging stations that you see pop up just about everywhere now, but it's also uh, like the photos I'm thinking. If you go to like a Walgreens and you want to print out a photo from your phone, you plug your phone into the machine. It could be something like that. Or, I mean, I was thinking of a, a rental car, you know, earlier. You plug your phone into the rental car and then all your data is up in this car that, hey, someone else is driving tomorrow. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the first thing the car wants to do is download all your contacts and access your data. You know, and a lot of people don't think much of it and they just press yes, right? Because I mm -hmm. want to be able to have my contacts and use Bluetooth when I'm driving this car. Um, but, you know, remember, these cars, in many cases, are also connected to the Internet, have cellular connections. Um, and to your point, Brian, you know, the next person who comes along, um, I've been in rental cars a lot. Um, and as I plug in or if I look at who uh, has recently plugged in, it's amazing to me how many people leave their data in, mm -hmm. those, in those vehicles, entertainment systems. Well, can you wipe that data sure. after you use it? Yeah, you can. You can go through the settings within the menu options of that phone or of that vehicle. Um, and that infotainment system, and you can delete your data. 
We're talking about cybersecurity and more importantly, keeping your data secure with Michael McCartney, who's uh, joining us. He's the president of Avalon Cyber, and uh, I'm sure you see things that just uh, make you scratch your head every single day with the way people uh, treat their personal data. We've been talking about plugging your phone in, what not to do, but it's not just plugging your phone in. It's things as simple as Wi-Fi that we take for granted. You always used to hear, all right, don't go and buy something when you're on the Starbucks Wi-Fi, right? That was always the big, in the coffee shop, on the Wi-Fi, don't put your credit card information out there. But now everybody has free Wi-Fi. You might be on a free public Wi-Fi and not even know it. No, that's very true. And it's, it's become so easy to connect to these things. I mean, you know, your Wi-Fi is constantly searching for an open Wi-Fi um, uh, service. And uh, if it's something that you've connected to in the past, it'll automatically connect. Um, yeah, and being connected to public Wi-Fi in any way, shape, or form is, is obviously exposing you, know, you to additional risks that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to over the cellular network. And then you start getting ads suddenly from the store you're in, mm -hmm. or right? Isn't that how yeah, that kind of works? pretty creepy, yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's all kinds of things going on when you're on a public Wi-Fi that, you know, you're best off just not connecting to those. And if you ever have the ability to connect to or just stay connected to your cellular network, I purposely turn off my Wi-Fi um, until and unless mm. I know I'm going to connect over Wi-Fi. I'm going to jump off of my cellular data plan or my cellular data connection and get on a Wi-Fi. But at that point, I know I'm connecting to something that's trusted as opposed to just roaming through a neighborhood or uh, through a mall and just randomly connecting right. to different stores. Because if you're on a public Wi-Fi, I mean, you're opening yourself up just like we were talking before, the same way you open yourself up if you're you know, in a public charging station, a right? Absolutely. And it's very easy for an adversary to create a Wi-Fi that looks like um, one that uh, says Starbucks or a common store. And how many times have you actually gone through the Wi-Fi, like select a Wi-Fi connection? And you see like three for the same thing. It's yeah. like, which one is it? <laughs> well, one's probably legit. The other two are probably some bad guy sitting in a corner uh, setting up a Wi-Fi to, to purposely just sniff traffic. It's crazy to think. But unlike plugging your phone in where you, you're physically doing that, the Wi-Fi, I mean, once you connect to a Wi-Fi, your phone probably remembers it. And then you might not have to connect the next time. You could be on these Wi-Fis exposing yourself without even really knowing it. That's true. And at that point, once you've connected to something that's trusted, or at least your device thinks it's trusted, everything's open, right? Your data transfer, your data ports, um, you know, access to all your, the information that's on your device is available because it's a trusted network or so it thinks. Um, whereby, you know, um, there's, there's certain things you can do when you're, when you're uh, you know, trying to connect to public Wi-Fi, and that, and that is just turn off your data. Um, you know, especially if you're just looking to charge, like with these charging stations, there's a couple of things you can do. You turn your phone off. I mean, that's probably mm -hmm. the safest thing is just turn your phone completely off and then plug in the charge. That way there's no data, you know, possibly that can be transferred. There's other USB uh, adapters you can get that you can plug into your cord uh, that essentially takes that multifunctional cord that powers and transfers data. And it basically disables the, the data transfer pins. The USB, the USB condom that we were well, talking about yeah, earlier. It's, it's been referred to that as well. Um, but yeah, these are devices that you can use. Uh, my recommendation is if you're looking to just charge, if you really need to power up, uh, plug into an outlet wherever possible. Now, another high-tech worry. This one not so much having to do with your actual personal device, but with the new 5G network it may operate on someday soon. That 5G technology that may be heralded with its speed and download times may also have an adverse impact on how we predict 
the weather? Okay, so here's the situation. Many of these frequencies that are being sold off for the new 5G network, the frequencies it will broadcast over, they're very close to the natural frequencies emitted by water vapor in the atmosphere. Tom Niziel is the winter weather expert for the Weather Channel, formerly with the National Weather Service here in Buffalo. He and many a meteorologist have concerns about 5G. And that water vapor is a very important parameter in forecasting the weather, of course. So what happens is the water vapor emits at this wavelength or frequency similar to what is being proposed in this entire band of 5G network. And weather satellites gather that information. That information is extremely important because roughly 90% of the data that is fed into these extremely complicated computer forecast models that make our weather forecast comes from satellites. And so if that data is interrupted in some way or it's degraded in some way, then it's impossible to get a real good idea of the initial state of the atmosphere. And if you can't do that, it's garbage in, garbage out. That would lead to a reduction in the accuracy of weather forecasts. And because you're talking about, you know, the water vapor, what's naturally occurring, it's not like uh, as if the National Weather Service could just change the frequency they work on or anything like that. That's correct. Water vapor is going to do its thing. That's just a natural uh, emission that comes from all objects. They emit microwave energy, depending on their temperature and their molecular structure. And so water vapor emits at a very specific frequency. What we would like to see as scientists is that that frequency isn't touched. Use everything else you want to do in that wide band of the 5G network frequencies that are now being auctioned off uh, to be used by these networks, but protect that uh, range of frequencies that are used to uh, observe water vapor in the atmosphere. All right, and it's not just forecasting, but maybe critical lead time for people in uh, the path of a tornado or a hurricane or a blizzard, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Forecast models operate on all different uh, time ranges and are really highly detailed. What we refer to as mesoscale models are making tremendous strides recently in predicting the occurrence of severe weather, whether it be hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, all of that type of information. The reduction in the accuracy that we might see if this goes through and these frequencies are are, uh, included in this auctioning, I could take us back decades in our forecast accuracy. And we're doing so well recently in being able to provide that kind of safety to the public and that advance warning that this would really be a blow. You mentioned that decades. The uh, NOAA administrator, Neil Jacobs, he was talking to the House Science Committee uh, not too long ago, and he said that this could degrade the forecast skill by up to 30%. And uh, he kind of gave an estimate, uh, you know, when it was 30% less than it was today. That was like around 1980 was uh, the time frame he gave. Can you give us an idea of what that means? You know, 1980 forecasting technology uh, compared to now? I mean, how much better are we able to track these storms and know about weather patterns now? Well, certainly from a daily forecast standpoint, uh, the Uh, Where we were with accuracy back in 1980 for a three-day forecast, that's about where we are for five to seven days out now. 
So think about that on a daily basis. But what's even more important is major storms like Sandy that ravaged the East Coast uh, a, a few years ago. That forecast was picked up and accurately modeled, very difficult forecast on the track of the storm by the European forecast model. A degradation in this type of data uh, to rerun that model, I believe some of the researchers have done that, and they suggested that that storm would not have been accurately forecast. And, of course, that leads to issues in evacuating people along coastal areas, lead time in these major storms, and that can lead to an increase in certainly the potential for injury or death. Tom, what's the solution here? Do forecasters have clout to stop this? Well, I certainly hope they do. I, I, I you know, in reading what I've read from uh, our legislative leaders, um, they are putting forth an effort to try to bring the science side, the, the NOAA side, the atmospheric uh, side and forecast modeling together with those who are working with releasing these uh, frequencies for the new 5G network. And there will be meetings coming up here in the next couple of months. And we're hoping that uh, when we have this major meeting of the world's uh, frequency regulators this fall, um, then there may be a negotiation to take some of these narrow bands of frequencies and make those off limits to the 5G network, which should not impact that at all, and be able to reserve that for still being able to get that data into our weather satellites and provide the most accurate forecast and warnings for the public. So think before you plug in and hope that that 5G speed won't lead to an unexpected rainout. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.